Hey, doll. Hey, doll. I'm your host, Paula. And I'm your host, Cynthia. And we are Dolls Dolls and and Doom. Doom. Okay, guys. So we don't normally cover cases that are this fresh because obviously information's still coming out. We don't really have the whole story. And we like to give as many accurate details as possible. But my sister called me this week and was like, hey, do you guys ever cover current cases? There's this case. I would just be interested in knowing your take on it. And by now you probably know I'm talking about the Gabby Petito case, which unfortunately we now know has become a homicide case. Let's talk about the murder of Gabby Petito. So Paula, I thought we could just kind of keep this more of like an open discussion. And I just wanted to go through the timeline because this case is so crazy. Okay. And it was like so hard to believe. As I'm thinking like, there's no way this happened. There's no way somebody like goes on a four month long trip together and comes home early without his partner and just refuses to act as if she's missing. Right. But that is actually what happened. So I deep dove and I got a timeline together here for us to just kind of go through so we can try to piece this together as good as we can. So July 2nd, 2020, almost exactly one year before they went on this cross-country van trip, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie announced their engagement on Instagram. And then in December, December 11th of 2020, they purchased a van and Gabby was a big poster on like Instagram. And in fact, her and Brian started a YouTube channel Okay. To document their van life, like van living. So these two were kind of like, you know, hippy-dippy, totally (laughs) my type of people who said, you know what? Let's not worry about like, you know, worldly possessions and let's live out of a van and let's enjoy seeing the the world. That's That's awesome. Yeah. So awesome. I would love to have done that in my younger days. I'd love to do it now. Yeah, me too. So on December 11th, 2020, they purchased this van. Gabby called it a garden on wheels and said a new van means new adventures. So Gabby was 22 and Brian was 23 and they lived in North Point, Florida. They lived in the house with Brian's parents, but they had recently been visiting Blue Point, New York, which is where Gabby was originally from. And they were there to celebrate her younger brother's graduation from high school. So they left New York on July 2nd. So it was actually one year to the day that they were engaged. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And they were planning on being gone for four months, and they were going to use this time to travel cross-country and live out of their van. Now, since her disappearance, um, and ultimately, as we know, murder, one of the attorneys for the Petito family has said that though the pair had gotten engaged back in July 2020... They had postponed their wedding plans because of COVID, and that's when they decided to take the trip instead. So that's what her family's attorney said. Okay. There are other sources who said they literally, like, called off the wedding. Oh. Which made it seem more like they were not fiancé at all. They were not engaged. Right, like there's trouble. Right. But they were just, like, boyfriend and girlfriend. So I may use these interchangeably, but just know that there is a question as to whether or not they were actually engaged or if they were at one point engaged and kind of downgraded their relationship. Okay, gotcha. 
So Gabby was actually the owner of this white 2012 Ford Transit van, and they had converted the interior into more of a camper type situation so that they could live out of it. They had the ability to like camp and cook meals inside as they traveled. And according to their social media post, the couple traveled from Florida to Kansas, Colorado, and Utah, touring and camping at all of these different national parks and natural attractions. According to Gabby's Instagram timeline, the couple made several stops between the dates of July 4th and August 12th of 2021. And during this time, they visited several national parks, making stops, like I said, in Kansas, Colorado, and then several different parks in Utah. On August 12th, Gabby and Brian had made it to Moab City in Utah when the police had an encounter with this couple. Apparently a witness outside of a grocery store had seen the couple arguing and called the police. And I actually listened to this 911 call. And in the 911 call, the caller says that he saw a man slapping a woman. And that they were in a van and they got out of the van and they were kind of like, you know, storming up and down the sidewalk. And then got back inside the van and drove off. So that's what the 911 call inferred. Okay, so clearly some kind of an argument. Right. There is actually body cam video because police did respond to the scene and the couple had already left the store, but they were able to track down Gabby and Brian about 15 minutes later. When the police came upon them, Brian was driving and he was driving about 45 miles an hour in a 15 mile an hour zone. Okay. And driving somewhat erratically. In fact, both tires both sides of the tires passenger and driver's side hit the curb while they were driving oh geez and then eventually stopped for the police okay so clearly he was distracted yeah a weird situation so then i watched the whole body cam video which is over like an hour long of the police interviewing gabby and brian to figure out you know what happened they both said the same thing pretty much that they had a fight over a bunch of stupid little things that have kind of been building up. They've been living in this van together for a couple months now. And that something kind of set her off. I think he like got into the van with dirty feet, which would annoy me too. Same. <laughs> Definitely same. <laughs> so they started arguing. Just one thing led to another and it, it kind of got bigger. According to both Brian and Gabby in this footage, this body cam footage, she hit him. They both said he did not hit her. They both said that while he was driving, once the police were behind them trying to pull them over, she started slapping him in an effort to get him to pull over. He says that's why he, of course, started driving erratically and that any kind of pushing or anything like that that any witness may have seen previously was like an act of self-defense you can tell the police were really really nice they were really really nice and they they listened to both parties talk about what you know their side of the story and they lined up it seemed like gabby was the aggressor in utah they don't have the ability in these types of situations a domestic violence situation they didn't have the ability to just walk away they had to do something it seems like they actually went finally found like some red tape they asked her like did you mean to cause bodily harm 
they even were like, answer this question very carefully. It's going to yeah. determine what happened. Did you mean to cause bodily harm? And when she said no, they were able to kind of get away with arresting her, honestly, because per law, they had to be separated and file charges and things like that. So yeah. she was able to not be arrested, but they did send her off with the van and they put him up in a hotel along with like a domestic violence charity. Okay. Helped put him in a hotel for the night because they had to stay away. So that's how the altercation ended. And you can watch the video, and I, I suggest you do. Gabby was very emotional. She was crying throughout much of the video. One of the things the police said that I thought was really interesting was they said, if the roles were reversed, and you had a witness saying, I saw, because Brian had, like, marks. He had a swollen eye, had a bruising on his arm, and he had, like, cuts and scrapes on his hand from her, from her attacking him. You know, the witness who said, oh, we saw her him push her back the police said okay if the roles were reversed and we came up upon a woman who had like marks all over her and then a witness said oh yeah but we saw him her push him back we would assume that her pushing him was in self-defense right i agree so when we switch the roles and here we have a man who's kind of beat up he has evidence of being attacked and someone says they saw him push her we have to give him the same benefit of the doubt that right. it was so I just thought that was really interesting the whole the whole video was really interesting I, I learned a lot from watching it I, I can't really describe it you have to watch it because knowing what happens later and just seeing like how calm he was and he didn't want her to get arrested he didn't want her to get in trouble how upset she was and then knowing she was ultimately murdered and he looks pretty suspicious for it was he pulling something over on these police? It's just really interesting. Right. So Brian had told the, the police that they got into a minor scuffle. He climbed into the van with dirty feet. Gabby admitted she slapped Brian when she thought he was going to leave her in Moab. Both Brian and Gabby said that Brian never hit Gabby. While they were interviewing Brian, police officers not noticed visible scratches. Gabby was nearly arrested. Both parties said they were in love, didn't want charges pressed. Couple agreed to separate for the night. So that was August 12th. On August 25th, according to a verified GoFundMe page that was set up to raise money and aid in the search for Gabby, she was last known to be seen in the Grand Teton, Wyoming on August 25th, 2021, and she was headed towards Yellowstone National Park. Now, Gabby's stepfather, Jim Schmidt, told CNN that Gabby communicated regularly with her mom and with her family. And it wasn't abnormal for her to go off the grid for a couple of days, just doing the van life stuff and exploring these different areas. So they wouldn't get concerned if they didn't hear from her for a few days at a time. But she would always make her way back to someplace where she could get Wi-Fi or some kind of signal. And she would upload to her Instagram. She would make phone calls. She would FaceTime. She would check in with her family. They said someone who has been traveling and contacting family and then all of a sudden goes dark, that's obviously odd, said Josh Taylor, who is a spokesperson for the Northport, Florida Police Department. So on August 30th, Gabby's mother, Nicole Schmidt, said that the last text message that she received from her daughter came in. And she said that when she received it, she was unsure if it was actually Gabby who sent the text message. Now, the text message has since been released to the public, but before I had read it, I was curious about what kind of made her question whether the text was from Gabby. 
Like, what was it about the message that didn't sound like her or, you know, fit her usual right. texting pattern? It's funny because my sister and I, when, when she we were talking about, like, what would alert us to, hey, this isn't Cynthia on the other line or this isn't Andrea. And I was like, oh, if I were to, like, are you okay? And use the, just the letter R and just letter U and then okay and yeah, me too. And just, like, use the number two as opposed to, like, spelling out the words. Like, that yeah. is obviously not me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so what was it? So I was just curious. What was it about this text that made them think it was strange? But we have since found out that the text message read... Quote, can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. End quote. So Stan is actually Gabby's grandfather, but Gabby didn't call him Stan. So that is what seemed strange about this text message. Was gotcha. that, you know, she's calling your grandfather by his name, which is not what she called him. I don't think I've ever called anyone in my family by their actual name. Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty unusual. I can't say nobody does it, but right. I wouldn't think it was your average behavior. So that paired with the fact that after they received that text, they hadn't heard from her for several days. Her family started to obviously get pretty worried. So then on September 1st, Brian came back to his Northport, Florida home in the van alone. There was no Gabby. Suspicious. Very suspicious. And then he didn't talk to anybody. So her parents, Gabby's parents, are like reaching out, trying to like find out what's going on they're not getting any kind of response from gabby or from brian then they find out he's made it back to his home without her he doesn't talk to them and that makes it even more suspicious even more he doesn't talk to anybody other than i'm assuming maybe his family maybe his parents he may have spoken to but that's it he doesn't talk to anybody he says nothing how do you go on vacation with someone and come home without them. For months at a time. Right. It's not like, you know, a few days. Right. But even even if it was just a day, like if my husband and I go somewhere and he comes home without me and then acts as if like I never even existed. There's like no, sto- nothing. He must have just completely panicked. Whether he was involved in her disappearance or not, he was obviously freaked out because you have to have some kind of story of what happened did you get in a fight and she walked one way you walked another you never saw her again right did something bad happen did she fall off a cliff but to have like nothing say nothing i i don't know it just blows my mind (laughs) that 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 was his plan yeah you know this is crazy to me so after not hearing from gabby for almost two weeks gabby's family reported her missing to the suffolk county police department in new york at approximately 6.55 p.m. on September 11th. So when police in Florida went to Brian's house later that night, his parents handed them a lawyer's phone number. That was it. They were not allowed to speak with Brian. The spokesperson for the sheriff's office says, we don't know what Brian knows, and that's the bottom line. We are hopeful to talk to him. He needs to talk to us. We need to know exactly where he was where she was, their last locations, and the fact he was back here for 10 days. Again, the family reported her missing 10 days later, end quote. So Gabby and Brian's van was processed for evidence. Police say that there were some materials that will be investigated further. So four days later, on September 15th, Brian was officially named a person of interest in Gabby's disappearance. And Northport police announced that they believed he was hindering the investigation. Keep in mind, Laundry has not made himself available to be interviewed by investigators or provided any helpful details to anyone. 
and his attorney issued the following statement on behalf of his client addressing Brian's silence. He said, quote, Many people are wondering why Mr. Laundry would not make a statement or speak with law enforcement in the face of Ms. Petito's absence. In my experience, intimate partners are often the first person law enforcement focuses their attention on in cases like this, and the warning that any statement made will be used against you is true, regardless of whether my client had anything to do with Ms. Petito's disappearance. As such, on the advice of counsel, Mr. Laundry is not speaking on the matter. I have been informed that the Northport, Florida police have named Brian Laundry as a person of interest in this matter. This formality has not really changed the circumstances of Mr. Laundry being the focus and attention of law enforcement, and Mr. Laundry will continue to remain silent on the advice of counsel. End quote. I just want to call complete bull on that because he was silent before he got an attorney. Right. I mean, I understand maybe not, like, going out and giving interviews and stuff like that, but, like, say something. Right. Say something. To her parents. Right. We if to, no one else, to her parents. You have to have some kind of a, I'm going to say cover story, but you're going to have right. to say We got in a some, fight and she got a bus ticket or a plane ticket and right. went in a different direction. Right. Something. I, my theory is that he killed her somehow, then just completely panicked and didn't do anything to cover it up. Which is why now he's not saying or doing... I think he came home. I think he told his parents that he killed her. I don't know that we'll be seeing him again. He's going to run away. I don't think he, he's going to face up to anything because he hasn't yet. I think he just panicked and he, he ran. You know, in some form or another. Because we find out he does actually run away. He yeah. actually is missing. Yeah. But before he was physically missing, he emotionally, and it, he just wasn't there taking any responsibility whatsoever. So on September 16th, the police in Northport held a news conference during which Gabby's father begged for her safe return and for Brian to speak up and stop hindering the investigation. And later, Gabby's family's attorney, Richard Stafford, read aloud a letter to Brian's parents pleading for their son to speak to them about Gabby's disappearance. And I just, again, I cannot imagine him being Gabby's friends and family. And I can't imagine being Brian's parents and not like being like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what makes me think they're literally just buying time. There's just no story. If you were innocent, you'd have some kind of, that's what gets me. Is mm -hmm. that he just came home and said nothing. Like right. nothing. Like, if anything points to his guilt, it's that. So, just hours after the family of Gabby issued a statement to the family of her fiancé, begging for information in her disappearance, Brian Laundrie's sister, Cassie Laundrie, broke her silence in an exclusive interview with GMA. And she said, obviously, me and my family want Gabby to be found safe. She said, she's like a sister and my children love her. And all I want is for her to come home safe and to be found. And this to just be a big misunderstanding. On September 17th, so just a few days ago, despite earlier speculation, authorities in Utah announced that Gabby's case had no connection and was not related to the double homicide case involving Crystal Turner and Kylan Schult. So have you heard about that? No. I know your boyfriend's like keeping you kind of in the loop. Yeah, I'm getting the highlights from him. Right. Okay, well, this is crazy. So a quick rundown of that case. In August 18th of this year, so literally the same time Gabby and Brian are there in Moab, Crystal Turner, who was 38, and Kylan Schult, who was 24, 
were found dead with multiple gunshot wounds in the South Mesa area of the LaSalle Loop Road, and they had last been seen alive on August 13th at a tavern in downtown Moab. Now, the two women, who were a couple, had allegedly told their friends earlier that a suspicious man had been creeping them out and that they were wanting to move their campsite to try to get away from him. Friends of the couple don't believe that they ever got this chance to move their campsite. Ironically, and here's the big kicker, the day before Crystal and Kylan went missing, on August 12th, an incident occurred just outside of the Moonflower Cooperative Organic grocery store where Kylan had worked until three o'clock that day. This is where a witness had called the police to report a domestic incident between Gabby and her fiance Brian at around 4 30 p.m. that day. Whoa. So that's where they were. They were at the grocery store where Kylan worked when this witness saw them have this altercation. Right. Later on Kylan and her girlfriend or wife are murdered. Oh my god. And a couple weeks later, Gabby, who was right there, goes missing. Right. Oh and my is gosh. ultimately found murdered. Crazy, right? Yes. So that's obviously a very strange connection and I mean, what are the odds? A lot of people have wondered if there might be a connection between the two cases, like maybe it was some random third party who's out there attacking women or is Brian some kind of serial killer who attacked these two women and then now Gabby? Who knows? But on September 17th, police say there is no connection to the two cases. It was just happenstance. I just find that interesting. On September 17th, Brian's family attorney contacted the authorities because the family finally wanted to discuss his disappearance. They claimed they had not seen Brian since Tuesday and they wanted to report him missing. So police removed items from Brian Laundrie's house to assist in the search for him, according to his attorney, Stephen Bertolino. And police said on Twitter that it was the first time the Laundrie family had spoken with them in detail about the case. They reiterated that Brian is a person of interest in Gabby's disappearance, but that they are not currently working a crime investigation. So as of September 17th, both he and Gabby Petito were now considered missing persons. The next day, on September 18th, police searched a vast Florida wildlife reserve for 23-year-old Brian Laundrie. While across the country, the FBI hunted for clues about Gabby in a mountainous national park in Wyoming. This search was called off on Saturday night by Northport police due to darkness, and they say that nothing was found. Meanwhile, the FBI in Denver said the agents were conducting ground surveys at Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming with help from the National Park Service and local law enforcement agencies since Gabby's last known contact with family members was from the National Park, known for its mountainous terrain. Sadly, on September 19th, authorities say a body was discovered in Wyoming and it was believed to be Gabrielle Petito. The FBI said that the body was found by law enforcement agents who had spent the past two days searching campgrounds. An FBI agent said that the cause of death had not yet been determined and Gabby's family was notified. On the 20th of September, police and FBI agents armed with a search warrant swarmed the Florida home that Brian Laundrie shared with his parents, where the FBI escorted Brian's parents out of their home and into a waiting van in their driveway at around 10 a.m., 
They were in the car for about 10 minutes before going back inside, and investigators were inside the home with the family all day. Around 2.30 in the afternoon, they towed Brian's silver Mustang from the driveway, and they also removed evidence boxes. The search warrant indicated that they were looking for Brian's computer. September 21st, which was yesterday. Yes. We're, we're recording this on Wednesday. So yesterday, Tuesday, an autopsy confirmed that the body found in Wyoming was Gabby Petito. The Teton County Coroner, Dr. Brent Blue's initial determination was that Petito's death is a homicide. The cause of death remains pending a final autopsy result, and the manhunt for Brian Laundrie continues in Florida. So that's what we know. I don't even know what to say. I I don't either. (laughs) I don't even know what to say. First of all, I'm devastated for Gabby's family. Yeah, that's terrible. And as a mother, I I can see being devastated for Brian's family also. Yeah. Here's the thing. When I was watching this video of the police video from when they were interviewing them about their little altercation, I remembered being 21, 22, 23, my frontal lobe not having fully formed. Yep. I remember having arguments that could have easily escalated and it doesn't mean you're a bad person and it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Yeah, you're just reacting emotionally instead of logically. Right. Whereas now when I get super angry or something like that, I can say, hey, calm down, take a breath, walk away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Don't act on your impulse. But, you know, as a kid, and, and they're not children obviously, but, you know, when I was that age, you know, I can see finding myself in a situation where an altercation got out of hand. But for someone to end up dead a week or two later, are we looking at a history of violence in this relationship? Did someone snap? Because for me, that would be a wake-up call. Like, I've never had the police called on me because of an argument or something like that. Same here, thankfully. Right. But if I had, I would think that would be a wake-up call for me. Oh, yeah. It would be like, okay, listen, this can get bad really fast. Yes, I've got some issues. If Brian was involved in her murder, it escalated. You know what I mean? It didn't come down. It escalated. Which, I guess in domestic violence, it normally does. Domestic violence does normally. And here's the other thing. I've seen a lot of comments about, oh, the police should feel really bad. They should be haunted for their life. They should do this. They should do that. She was the aggressor. I watched that video. And based on what I saw in the video, he's not the one who would have been taken to jail it would have been her right one of the cops even said we have a 110 pound little girl who poses no threat to this man other than maybe a couple of of abrasions by her nails as she scratches him right this doesn't seem to be a repeated history of violence neither one of them want to press charge i know there are those cases where they go they bail someone out of a domestic violence situation and they say she's gonna get beat up again tomorrow she's just gonna keep coming back this is a pattern for her like there are those couples there are those situations police respond to them and it's just like why are we even doing this she's gonna come back tomorrow or he you know maybe we'll come back together but you're come back tomorrow but it's normally the women who are getting beat up by let's just be honest but this wasn't one of those cases it didn't seem to be I don't see that the police did anything wrong whatsoever. I don't either. But there's always those people that are going to hate on someone. They're going to, you know, point the finger. You didn't do your job right. And that's right. 
That's not true. They are looking for the answers. Right? They. I mean, th- this thing went on for an hour, and you hear them, like, talking, like, well, should we do this? Should we do that? Should we do this? We have to separate them. The law says we have to separate them, but we can't even tell them that, hey, if you guys get back together tonight, then one of you is going to jail because then they'll be afraid to call the police if they need to. Right. So we can't even say that to them. We just have to literally be like, you guys need to separate. You guys need to stay away for the night kind of thing and let them figure it out. And it even says if he's dumb enough to get come back around her tonight, then, hey, it's on him kind of thing. Then she's the one who ends up dead. So it's just, I don't know. It's just... I would love for him to speak. I would love for him to talk. And my biggest concern is that something will happen and he will never share his side of the story and then we'll just forever be left with questions. Yeah, I can see that happening. And I understand everybody reacts to these, like, situations differently. So maybe you would just, like, freeze and freak out and just, like, go home and not say or do anything. Some people behave that way and in high-stress situations. Right. But then to, like, remain silent for weeks a month that's where it's like it's really fishy right okay eventually you're going to be like okay here's what happened here's where you will find her here's where she was standing when she fell off that cliff or i think he snapped i think maybe he didn't intend to kill her but i think they had an argument or something like that he snapped caused her to die and then he snapped out of it and then totally freaked out and had no clue what to do yeah so We'll keep you updated with anything we hear. It'll be interesting to find out her actual cause of death. Yes. Any guesses? <laughs> no, because I don't know, like, if there was blunt force trauma. I don't right. know if there was a gunshot wound, so I can't right. I can't say anything either way. We give our opinions on this podcast. Now, we try to just keep it strictly to the facts, but we will sometimes give our opinions. So some of what I've said in this, you're getting, like, the more real Cynthia, and you're getting some of my opinion. Some of you may like that. Some of you may not. That is okay. You can feel however you want to feel. But because this is more of just like a free flow open discussion, you got a little more of that today. If it's not your thing, maybe check out some of our other episodes if you're new. But we'll definitely keep you updated with anything new that we find out. I'm glad you covered it because like I said, I I haven't really been paying attention. Like all I see is like what scrolls across the TV right. when you're watching the news or the highlights I get from my boyfriend. Right. I'm not really a news watcher. I right. find it too stressful and depressing. Oh, Totally. There are some really good podcasts. Going West has a three-part series. They may be releasing a new one soon because their last one was before they found her body. So they may be, like, gathering evidence to release a a fourth part. But so if you listen to Going West, they kind of kept us up to date on what was going on at the time. And probably other podcasts are covering it, too. Oh, I'm sure. Just because it's current. And I'm sure there will be more eventually. I'm sure people are waiting to get more information to release everything all at once. Right, right. I can see that. When we know more, we'll we'll tell you more. So for the time to kill, I have some strange and scary facts about death. Ooh, okay. So a human head remains conscious for about 20 seconds after being decapitated. Oh my gosh, shut up. Shut up, ooh. And I would love to know how they went about finding this out. Like, how do you research that? Okay, so I will say that to me, beheading is like one of the most like, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Gruesome? Bar- gruesome, but barbaric. Oh, I yeah. find it very barbaric. Totally. Oh, my God. I, like, I can't imagine, like, dying that way, like, the way they used to, like, with your head on the oh, chopping yeah. block. Like, I can't imagine just knowing that was good. And then to, like, stay awake for 20 seconds out. 20 seconds is a long time. It is. Were you the person who told me? Somebody, I can't remember who, said 
he was being put to death that way and he had a theory that he would stay and he said ask me a question or do this and i'm gonna do this if i am like blink my left eye or do this or do something and he did he said if i can hear you i'll blink three times or I'm getting the facts wrong, but the the gist is the same. Okay. But there was someone who was like, or ask me a question, and if I close my left eye, it means yes. If I close my right eye, it means no. And after he was decapitated, whoever it was that he'd had this conversation with, had this nonverbal conversation with his head, and he actually did respond the way he said he would. So that might be how they know that. But we know chickens do. Chickens run around. Yeah. With no head, so. Yeah, but I'm talking about the head. The chicken is the body. Yeah, that's true. The next one is a body decomposes four times faster in water than on land. And that makes total sense because your body fills up with water and everything bloats. Yeah, and then I guess kind of like falls apart. Mm-hmm. Within three days of death, the enzymes from your digestive system begin to digest your body. These are quite disgusting. And so gross. <laughs> and some people, like, find this... Fa- I mean, I find it interesting, but, like, I, I could never be, like, a mortician or right. a coroner or anything. Like, ooh, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. About 153,000 people worldwide die every day. However, double that number are born every day. It's a never-ending cycle. Like, pretty soon we will be overpopulating. I know. A lot. When a person dies, their sense of hearing is the last to go. That's a horrible thought because if someone is still hacking you up or <gasps> saying something, Ew. you're going to hear it. That's I wouldn't a- have thought of that until you said it. But oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. That was the first thing I thought of. You can't die of old age, only from diseases brought on by old age. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just easier to say, oh, she died of old age. Right, but in reality, okay, her heart stopped because it was 107 years old. Right, exactly. <laughs> Gay fact. <laughs> Men who are hanged get a death erection known as rigor erectus. But only hanged? Yes, specifically hanged. So I think it's something about the way that your spine is being pulled up. Okay. I guess it's just a reaction. Because I can see that being a reaction just in death. I can kind of, I mean, I have no reason to think that or no scientific knowledge. Just, you know how sometimes they just happen. Yeah. So I can see that just being a natural reaction to death. But interesting that it's only in hanging. Yeah. Okay. In some cases, bodies develop a corpse wax that can preserve the remains for years. Okay. So I guess it's like a film all over the whole body that can preserve it. As long as it's not underwater or out in the desert right? where things can be destroyed. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. Hey, please check out our website for pictures and for links corresponding to each episode at dollsanddoom.com. Follow us on social media and leave us a comment. And stay alive so you don't end up on the wrong side of the grass. That's right. Bye. Bye.